Who do we trust to tell us about God? And why do we trust them? Why do we uh, think that they know what God is saying? God does speak today by His Holy Spirit. There are messages, there are prophecies. God has spoken in numerous ways, but how do we know whether God is speaking through someone? And Galatians, the churches there had a similar issue. They, they were saying, well, how do we know that God has spoken through Paul? Why should we trust Paul? And for that matter, why should we trust Paul? Oh, because he's in the Bible and therefore I'm going to... Well, why do we trust him? As Christians, that's one of the most important questions we need to ask is why. If we're afraid to ask the question, it shows that we're afraid of our faith. So why should we trust him? I mean, you think about it, Peter, James, well, not so much James, Peter, Matthew, John, that, that whole crowd, the 12 apostles, they spent three years with Jesus. James, uh, James was Jesus' brother, even though he kind of didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection, he spent a fair amount of time with Jesus. He knew Jesus. He, he knew him well. Let's, let's trust them if they say that they're speaking for Jesus. They've, they've got the credentials, but... But Paul, Paul wasn't one of Jesus' inner circle. If anything, Paul was the enemy of Jesus' inner circle. What if the gospel of Paul, the good news that Paul preached, isn't the same as the good news that Peter and James and John preached? And some of you are th- sitting there going, yeah, but it is. I-, I can tell you now that there are people still today who argue strongly that it is a different gospel. I think they're wrong, just as an aside. But people are still saying that. And that's what they were saying in Galatia. This Jesus plus, this Jesus isn't enough crowd came and said, actually Paul's got it wrong. They came and they said, we represent true Christianity, not Paul. We come from Jerusalem. We come and we represent the official church position. We come from the church where Peter is in charge. And didn't Jesus say, on this rock, on this Peter, I will build my church. You should listen to us, not to Paul. After all, what do you know about him? Why should you trust him? And it seems from from chapter 1, verse 10, where Paul says, am I trying to please men now, hey? If I'm calling curses down on people, does that sound like a people-pleaser behavior? It seems that that they've been going around saying, you know, Paul's gospel is a cheat. It's a cheat's good news. It it looks like they've gone and they said to the Galatians, you know what, Paul's done a great job of conning you guys. He's, He's sold you a car at a really good price and you've got it delivered and you found there's no wheels. Because he said to you, this is all you need, but actually you need more. You need to follow the law. In Galatia, that was their plus that they added on. They were saying that that either Paul had made up his good news, pulled it out of his thumb, or, or that there was a serious case of Chinese whispers at work. You know that game, Chinese whispers, where... I start saying the, the red kangaroo jumped over the tin dog 
and, by, and we send it down the church, and by the time it gets to Steve, we, we hear this amazing thing about 15,000 monkeys writing Shakespeare. And that, that, it seems to me that that's kind of the two things that they're holding against Paul. Either you've made this up, Paul, or else you've totally, you, you've got your facts wrong. You've, you've missed out a page of your study notes somewhere. I mean, why listen to someone, they would argue, who hasn't got their facts straight? If you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, hey, I've got 50% of my marks right at uni, you'd go, fantastic, let me tell you what's wrong with me. Can you help me, doc? And the doc says, maybe. Might kill you as well. So the basic argument of the Jesus plus crowd back in Galatia was that if you belong to Jesus, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He is God's answer to all of the promises to Israel. And so if you want to be part of that, if you want to get cut into the deal, you need to get circumcised, you need to become Jewish. We saw last week that that's not so much of a big deal today, but Jesus plus crowd is still going. They, today they're not saying you have to become Jewish if you want to belong to God. So, so often today we hear, uh, you know, you need Jesus plus this particular gift. Or you need Jesus plus this particular experience if you really need to, if you really are saved. Or, or you need to have Jesus plus this particular stance on this particular issue. And if you don't have that, you're not really saved. Is, uh, I heard of one church who, who said that in their constitution that um, uh, you needed to have a premillennial view of the end times. Otherwise you couldn't be a member of the church. Now, that, that church is turning around now, but regardless of what your position is on the end times, let's just say as long as you start saying you need Jesus plus this particular view, there's an issue. So the problem in Galatia is unique to them, but it's followed through even to today. But the big question that their issue raises for them and for us is why should they bother listening to Paul? And Paul's writing to them to say, guys, you can trust me when I preach. There there was no missing page of study notes that I, I forgot to tell you about. There was no Chinese whispers. In fact, says Paul, I got my good news, my gospel by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. It's, it's firsthand, from him to me to you. And I didn't make it up. In fact, the idea that Paul would make up a gospel where everyone is welcome, regardless of whether you're Jewish or not, where it's just, it, it's just trusting in God's grace and saying, Jesus, I'm worthless without you. Would you save me? And God says, I love you. Of course, I sent my son to die for you. The idea that Paul would make that up, You could have put Paul's picture in a dictionary next to the word Jewish hardliner or Jewish radical. You know, these days we talk about uh, uh, people who are radicalizing Muslims. Paul would have fitted right in. He would have been a radicalized Jew. God's grace in Jesus was offensive to Paul. He liked the idea of God's grace for him, but not the idea of God's grace in Jesus. He was driven by a passion for the traditions of my fathers. 
for the traditions of my ancestors. Before becoming a Christian, well, the Jesus Plus people said, Jesus is great, but you need to become Jewish as well if you want to be right with God. And Paul would have said to them, fantastic. Although let's leave off the Jesus bit. If you want to find someone who's going to make up a gospel that says all you need to do is trust in Jesus, God's son, find someone else because it's not going to be Paul. It's, it'd be like putting on the news when you get home and finding out that Donald Trump has adopted a, a Mexican immigrant. And we laugh because we go, of course, he, he's not going to do that. He's got a vendetta against them. For someone like Paul to change boats midstream can only be a miracle. And, and we hear about that, Acts chapter 9, we've, we've looked at that. Paul on the road to Damascus is on his way to persecute some more Christians, to drag them back to Jerusalem, hopefully to have a few of them um, put on trial and executed, stoned maybe. Meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, everything changes. And he comes to realize that even before he was born, God's had this incredible plan for him. And he encounters God's grace for himself. He, he, he finds that he has been fighting against God and that God is not there with a stick ready to bash his head in for doing that, but that God says, I've chosen you. That God gives him mercy, that God forgives him, that God sends him out on a mission, that God, God saves him and sets him to work. He doesn't beat him up. Everything changes for Paul, not because he decided one day to wake up and make up a story, but because God arrived and did something in his life. Psychologically, for Paul to make up a story about all you need is Jesus, just won't wash. So there's one accusation down Paul goes on and he says, I, I didn't get my gospel from anyone other than Jesus. So he has this experience on the road to Damascus. But the first thing that Paul does is not to rush off and say, man, now I've met Jesus. Now I need to go and study. I need to go and get my bachelor's in divinity so that I can figure this out, so that I can speak really well, so that I can have all the right things and get my facts straight. Now, he doesn't rush off to Peter or Matthew or Philip or or any of those guys, he, he goes to Arabia. That, that region around Damascus was ruled by, by Arabia at that time. And, and he comes back to Damascus afterwards. And maybe, maybe in Arabia he gets as far as Mount Sinai. We, we don't know. He doesn't tell us what he does in that time. But I suspect that Paul was preaching. That he was reading the scriptures, reading the Old Testament. I, I suspect that, that God was revealing stuff to him in a personal, direct way. Paul doesn't tell us, it's just what I'm thinking. Um, what we do know is that for three years, Paul has no contact with Jesus' inner circle. <clears throat> says, Paul, I'm not one to make this kind of stuff up. And you're accusing me of having got my study notes wrong? Well, for three years, I didn't even bother going to the lessons. I didn't go to those who were apostles before me. True, says Paul, I did go after three years, I did go and visit Peter in Jerusalem, uh, but uh, Paul went there to visit him, to get to know him, not to become his disciple. 
He was only there for 15 days. And out of all the apostles, the only ones he saw was Peter and James. It's, it's not like at that point he decided to become, you know, a student in the church in Jerusalem. In fact, if you have a look at Acts uh, chapter 9, uh, verse 29, we actually read a little bit of what Paul did at that time. Acts chapter 9, verse 29, uh, tells us, uh, that's not right. Oh, that's Acts chapter 10. Excuse me. Acts chapter 9, verse 29, Paul uh, says him, he debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. So what's Paul doing in the 15 days that he spends in Jerusalem? He's not sitting in class studying quickly. He's out with the Greek Jews and debating Jesus with them. He's not in class, he's on the mission field. And hanging out with Peter saying, Hey Peter, I've longed to get to know you. Tell me, what was it like? To sit at Jesus' feet. Tell me, you know, just getting to know someone. Like we had uh, Daniel Patterson here a couple of weeks ago. Just getting to know him. Paul was never an intern in the Jerusalem church. He certainly wasn't their missionary. In fact, the only thing that they really knew about him was that the one who had been killing them and persecuting them was now preaching the good news of Jesus and they were praising God for it. And then 15 days, two weeks later, Paul's off again. Syria and Cilicia. And it's 14 more years until he comes back to Jerusalem. And some people go, oh, no, no, that 14 includes the previous three, so it's only 11. I think it's 14, but if it's only 11 years, it's still 11 more years before he comes back to Jerusalem. And all that time, what's Paul doing? He's preaching the good news, including to the Galatians. Acts chapter 9 verse 19 tells us about Paul, uh, Paul's encounter with Jesus. He says, afterwards he ate some food and he regained his strength. He stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And listen to this. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. Paul starts preaching almost the second that Jesus interrupts his life. And he doesn't stop. He's got the same message. Jesus is the son of God. The kingdom of God is near. And God sends him on missionary journeys. Didn't have much time for school. Well, okay. Paul was unlikely to make his gospel up. Paul never spent much time with the apostles. But what if? What if the good news that Paul preached is different? than the rest of the apostles. Just what if? Because you see, that is exactly the accusation that the Jesus plus people were saying. They were saying, Paul's pretty good as far as he goes, but he gets it wrong. It's not the same. But Paul, I think, hadn't got it wrong. 17 years of preaching. And we read in Galatians chapter 2 that, that he has a revelation from God and he goes to Jerusalem in response to that to meet the people that, that, that are esteemed. The New Living Translation hides it a bit, but, but he uses these grandiose words for the apostles. I went to meet the esteemed 
in Jerusalem privately. Uh, if you've uh, got a chance, have a read Acts chapter 11. It's about there that this visit happens. And, and he says something really interesting. He says uh, in verse 2 of Acts, um, the, one of the reasons why he went there, I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church, uh, other translations, those esteemed people, um, and I shared with them the message I'd been preaching to the Gentiles. Listen to this. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. 17 years. And then Paul says, I wanted to make sure that I hadn't got it completely wrong. I think that verse shows that Paul's more interested in the truth than in pleasing people. Some people are uncomfortable with that verse. Uh, John Stott says, you know, Paul never doubted. He never had a question in his life. This wasn't about Paul. It was, it was about making sure that he could undermine those who were disagreeing with him. Maybe, but if so, he did a pretty poor job. Uh, this, this happens in about Acts chapter 11, and by Acts chapter 15, Paul's back in Jerusalem, and the people are no longer speaking in private about, you know, you need Jesus plus the Lord, they're speaking in public. Uh, if, if Paul was just trying to silence them, it, it was a bad job. I think Paul, in this verse, I think Paul was convinced that the message he'd been preaching for 17 years was God's truth revealed to him. But I think Paul just had that little thing inside of him saying, I want to make sure that I haven't been running after a wild herring this whole time. Or red herring. It's like John the Baptist, who at one point is thrown in jail, he's... He's already announced that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as he's rotting in jail, he sends some disciples to, to Jesus to say, just, just checking, are you the one? He's human. Paul's human. If, if the Jesus plus people that Paul was encountering were right... If it was true that Peter gave a different gospel to the one that Paul was preaching, then Paul knew there would be a big issue. And you know what it's like when somebody comes to you and says, you're wrong, and you, you know that you're right, but you still, you go, I, I just need to, need to double check this. I don't know. I don't know exactly. This is what I think. And so he goes to Jerusalem, he meets privately with, with these people that everyone says are so good and so esteemed and the pillars of the church. Uh, and he says, actually I hadn't got it wrong. I, I was right to be confident that what I'd been preaching for 17 years was from Jesus, because actually it is. I, I, look, I took Titus along, he attested that he was a Greek Christian. And there were some people that came in and said, no, no, Titus, you need Jesus plus, you need to become Jewish as well. And, and we had this discussion and we stood firm and we did not insist that he become circumcised. He stayed a Greek Christian. He was not made to become a Jewish Christian. Paul didn't give in to them. Titus didn't give in to them. Barnabas didn't give in to them. And the apostles in Jerusalem didn't give in to those Jesus plus 
people. In fact, the key figures didn't add anything to what Paul said. They gave him the right hand of fellowship. They said, you know, Paul, we look at what you're doing, we look at what Peter's doing, and it's the same stuff. And we see God's grace at work there, and we see God's grace at work here. Come on, brother, let's give you a a hand that's joined together. You work there, we work here. This is fantastic. It's the same. Wonderful. Thank you, Nicholas. So what? At first glance, all this seems quite remote to us, doesn't it? Yay, they started leaving Paul. It's actually really helpful for us, though, that people were questioning Paul's authority. Because we need to be asking ourselves why we should bother listening to Paul. We need to know whether Paul's a mechanic or a gardener. We need to know whether he's actually a mechanic or if he's just saying he is. We need to know what qualifies as the real good news of God. There are many people today who say, I have the real truth for you. Jesus plus, or or even Jesus minus. I know some people like Joel Osteen, but but I look at Joel Osteen and he's more of a Jesus Jesus minus kind of guy. Great for self-help, great for do this, do this, do this. But if you get Jesus in a sermon, you're lucky. And then there are people who say, you have to believe exactly what we believe. We won't accept your baptism in our church because, you know, our church is the only one that counts. Paul's history teaches us two things. His gospel was independent. And his gospel was the same. If I claim to speak for God and and what I say doesn't line up with what God has said elsewhere, then there's an issue. But when God's word is corroborated independently, it grows my trust that God is speaking. That's true for Paul's gospel. The fact that that it independently is corroborated by Peter's grows my trust that I I can believe Paul. And it's true when somebody comes to you and says, God says this. I might have to try and figure that out. Does it match with what God has said? Do I believe it or not? But if somebody else independently comes and says to Keith, Hey, Keith, I I think God's saying this to you. Doesn't know what I've said. All of a sudden, Keith is going, Man, two people independently saying the same thing? Maybe I should stop paying attention. You see... This was not pleasant for Paul to have people going around saying, don't trust him. But it is useful for us. When Paul speaks, he speaks God's good news. Independently corroborated. And it helps us when people speak to us. We need to be asking, is this made up? Or does it line up with what God is saying elsewhere? Amen. We're going to finish with a song, uh, Rooftops. Uh, Here I am before you, God. I'm falling in love. I'm seeking your truth, knowing that your perfect grace has brought me to this place. 
Because of you I truly live. My life, O Lord, to you I give. So I stand before you, God. I lift my voice. Why? Because you set me free. Let's stand, let's sing, and let's celebrate.